Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode 66. <sighs> hey everybody, welcome to an exciting episode of the One Player Podcast. In this show, I am going to review the game Onirim, which I review. This is the first game I actually ever reviewed. This is, however, the second edition, a new and improved edition. And not only that, I'm going to be doing an interview with the designer, Shady Torbe. So let's go ahead and look at the news and get that out of the way. First up, there's going to be a digital edition of Infection, Humanity's Last Stand, Last Gasp, I'm sorry. This is the solitaire game by uh, John Gibson. It's published by Victory Point Games. There's not going to be a digital edition uh, for iPhone and Android, I believe. At least iPhone at first. Actually, I'm sorry, it's for it's for PC, iPhone, and Android. The scheduled delivery date is in December, so that's just around the corner. Second up, Fantasy Flight Games has announced a new expansion for Elder Sign. It is called The Gates of Arkham. In this one, you're now going to explore the city of Arkham and not just stay inside the museum. It it actually sounds a lot like it's trying to make this Arkham Horror. Um, there will be gates of various locations. You don't, know, you don't know where the gates is exactly where it's taking you until you flip the card and see it. There are encounters at the different locations, which is, again, familiar and sounds a lot like the uh, encounters in Arkham Horror. You flip a card and then you find out what the encounter is. For example, you could go to the Silver Twilight Lodge and end up joining them. There are now skills, which are permanent benefits that you could gain. There's eight new investigators, which is nice. There's four new ancient ones. Expected release date is in Q1 2015. The Aaliyah game Las Vegas is getting an expansion called Las Vegas Boulevard. That will actually support one through eight players. So so now you can play Las Vegas Solitaire. Uh, well, I don't know anything else about that one. And the final bit of news is a game on Kickstarter called Dragon's Ransom. It's a, interesting because it's a reverse dungeon crawl game. It could be played solo or co-op. And this is basically where you're... There's heroes attacking your dungeon and you need to defend it. Okay, that's it for news. So let's go ahead and jump on forward into the interview. Alright, so today I'm talking to Shady Torbe, designer of Onirum, as well as a few other games in the in the Oniverse, um, Urbion, and two others that are not out yet, Castellon and Sylveon. Um, hi Shady, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing really good. Uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, I'm really, really excited to talk to you, especially about Onirum. Well, uh, you, thank you both for having me. Yeah, you've got a brand new edition of it out. Yes, yes. This week, coming this week in Essen. Okay, so it'll be officially released at Essen? Yes, uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, will it be, do you know when it'll be available elsewhere? Like in- I suppose I haven't checked on the um, Z-Man Games uh, um, internet Side, but I think it's planned for for the, for now. Actually, I, I suppose it will be available, um, yeah, very soon in the states and oh. everywhere. Okay, excellent. Um, so, so this game is is very unique theme. You know, you're you're traveling through through dreams. What what inspired you for that theme? I really can't tell. Um, when I started thinking about doing a series of game of of solitaire games. Um, the, the the first idea I got is you are lost in a labyrinth. Um, you have to to find the doors, and and you're not alone. Um, there are there are some there's some kind of menace of threat that you must escape. Uh, th- that was my first idea. I I don't know how it came, but that that was the first flash I I I got in my head, and I uh, then I started developing the, the the mechanism of the game around around this. Okay, well, that's very neat. Um... So, so the theme was first, and then the mechanic. Yes, um, yes, okay. in this case, yes. And uh, and the new version now has four more expansions, seven total. Are these expansions new, or they designed for the second edition, or did you already have them? Some of the ideas were already um, there for the first edition, but there wasn't enough space in the box um, to to put them. So, so we, we 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 put them aside, and and a couple of them are new. Um, have been developed, I would say, uh, along the years. Um, not especially for the second edition. I mean, all the ideas were already there, and um, and and then when we decided to do a second uh, second edition, then it was the good opportunity to put all the the expansion to together. Actually, okay. The, I remember that um, 
when when Urbion was first announced, it it mentioned that it was going to include some expansion for for uh, for Nerum. Oh, I never I never got this um, this information. No, I might I'm be sure. wrong. I might be wrong, but I, I remember something about that that I'd read. Okay, no, it was <laughs> never really. Um, no, I never heard about it officially. Okay, um, it, so so another thing about the game is uh, I'm really surprised. I was really surprised to see that the art has changed. I really liked the art in the first edition, and mm. I was so happy with it. I never imagined there was a need to change the art. Uh, why? Do you know why it was done? Yeah, well, actually, um, it's 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 a long and a short story in a way. Um, I, I remember when I first um, contacted Elise Plessy, the artist of of, of um, the whole universe, actually, the artist of of Onirim and of Urbion and of the the whole Oniverse um, series that that is planned. Um, it was actually her first um, one of her first, or even her first um, professional uh, uh, published job, uh, actually. And um, I was extremely happy about it because it was, you know, this. Well, you know, it. It was this very uh, personal, very uh, um, special style that, that she had, and it really um, matched what I wanted for this game. Uh, I, I didn't want to go for the traditional um, uh, fantasy world that we already already seen um, everywhere. So. Um, and, and then I, I, I started working also. I kept working with her on Urbion and then Sylvian. And at a certain point, she somehow, um, I mean, it's a little bit like, like in every other, uh, you see it sometimes with musicians also, that at the, they are good. And then at a certain point, they get really great. You know, they really make a step forward. And, and, you, and you think, oh, I, I, I really already liked what they were doing. But now I really find it amazing. And in a way, I have the feeling that Elise um, got to this point uh, w- when we were doing Sylvian, which is um, ba- basically, I think, the um, the third game we were uh, working on, on, on together uh, after Onirim and, and, um, and Urbion. And so when it was, um, when the idea of doing a, a segment edition of Onirim, including Oldham, the expansions, uh, uh, when the, this idea came up, I, um, I thought it would be a, a great opportunity to, to redo the art of Onirim, um, allowing Elise to, you know, now express herself now that she reached, uh, now that I felt that she reached another level, uh, artistically. And um, yeah, so th- that's how the the rooms were redesigned, and uh, not not all the cards. Some, I mean, the doors mm, stayed. Uh, the doors are the, the cards that you know from the the first edition, mm-hmm. but all the rooms has has have changed. For instance, yeah, and some didn't change too much, and I think some were more drastic. Like I think the green cards are very different. And, yes, yes. And then the blue ones felt more familiar to me. Yeah, that's true. That's okay. true. Yeah. Well, and um, and I like her. It it is very distinctive, and, and it it just seems so nice, and it goes so well with the game, and and so it sounds like, what her art already matched what you already planned for the game. But did did it change once you saw her artwork? Did it change at all how you think about the game? Does it feel any different for you now than what you imagined before, before you had any art for it? It's difficult to say. I remember that when she sent me um, her first um, drafts for 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 Onirim, um, years ago now, I, I really thought this is what I want. Um, and and what is extremely interesting is that we work um, quite closely together. When I have an idea of a prototype, I mean, when the prototype is already um, have been play tested extensively and it works, then I go to the next step and I ask her to do to do some art for it. And then we do this back and forth. I send her an email. I said, okay, this this could be the next game of the series. I have this and this in mind. What do you think? And um, and then she answers either by you know just answering, yeah, this is a good idea. This I like it less. Or, or could we do this? Or she simply sends drawings you know and then we we play this back and forth game um you know uh, i think oh i like this drawing this uh, this wouldn't work as good and and so it the, the art we, we developed the, the the ideas together in a way so it's really um how can i say embedded in in the process of of um of the visual conception of the game uh and now yeah so now i i i don't think i could really imagine a game of the universe without her her working on it that's neat. Okay. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it was very, very uh, collaborative project. 
It's very nice. I really, really enjoy a lot doing doing this. Um, the, the, the second, pro I mean, the first process is obviously doing um, as ugly, as cold a prototype as I can. Uh, you know, working on PowerPoint, so it's as unsexy as you can imagine. It's really just <laughs> geometrical forms. So I can really play test it um, and make it play test without anybody being uh, positively influenced by the art. You know, saying, "Oh, it's uh, it's not working that well, but it's so cute." You know, I never get those kinds of reaction because the prototypes are really ugly. And, and just functional and um, as soon as I, I see that it's really working as, as a mechanism um, then I, I go to this phase and this phase is absolutely amazing you know giving uh, a really physical pre presence to a game that you know to a game idea that is otherwise abstract although it can come from a very concrete idea as for Onirim you know I first have the theme and um, but but then even if I have the theme to, to begin with I then go for a totally abstract prototype um, to not influence myself and the playtesters. I see, okay. Um, and this new edition, it, I mean, it's such a pretty edition with the uh, the Oni, the Onimipo and the, the way the rule book is and the, the way when the box opens you have that that mm. nightmare in there. It's just really pretty looking game. Yeah, um, yeah. It's... What, was that your idea or is that something like Z-Man said, hey, let's, let's try and make this... Different. Actually, this is um, basically. I mean, um, um, Sophie and 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 Zev, Sophie Gravel and 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 Zev Schlesinger, they they had this idea. Uh, Sophie really was was behind this idea to to um, reissue uh, the games of the universe in in a, a very pretty edition. So this is really what what she wanted, and we had a, a, a big series of workshop about how we would do. You know, a, a very nice looking uh, series of game. And um, and it's actually Philippe Guérin, who is the the main um, graphic designer uh, at um, F2Z Entertainment, so so Philosophia and Zimen Games, who um, came up with with the ideas of with the idea of of this box, and he did um, you know the, the graphic work around it. So I'm 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 very very happy uh, um, about what he did uh, for 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 this game. Okay, yeah, he's done a fantastic job. The, yeah. Uh... The Oni Meepo, I guess, which is what I've been calling them. I don't know what, what you call the little nightmare guy. Or the it's, it's, little it's, a, it's a great name. That's a great name. Really. Oh, okay. Um, was that uh, something you had thought of, or is that something they said, hey, let's try and include uh, uh, something else in there? That was, I think, Sophie's idea. She hmm. said, I want to have a meeple of the little nightmare for the, for the uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so with all the different expansions, do you have a favorite expansion at all? Imagine it would be hard to pick. Oh yeah, it's really, really difficult to say. Um, yeah, that's that's. I really enjoy designing and and play testing uh, them a lot. So yeah, I couldn't really, really say. Uh, I I have a, a favorite one. Yeah, I'm finding that I'm finding they're all my favorite as I'm playing them. It's like, oh, this is working really great, and then I, I try a different expansion. Oh, I like this one a lot. <laughs> so it changes back and forth. Uh, that's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, so let me uh, let me ask you about Erbion. You, you mentioned that the uh, that your games are all getting a, a new edition. Is that going to include Erbion then? Is that going to get a nice uh, deluxe edition? I guess. I mean, I really hope. I'm I'm now a little bit in the position of um, I, I, if I can compare to a, um, a creator of a TV series. Uh, I, I have an, uh, a narrative arc for the whole series and for each season, um, and obviously it will depend a little bit on the ratings and on the you know on, on the audience of the of the mm. series if the if the network is going to commission the next seasons. So um, so now we have planned Onirim, um, then Sylvian, and then Castellion. Um, and if the series go, go goes on, then uh, yeah, uh, it, it is um, of course a project to give a, a beautiful expanded edition to Urbion also. Okay, uh, so, so how many seasons do you have planned at this point in your head? Uh, I'm a little bit superstitious, so <laughs> okay, fair enough. I will not give you give you a precise number, but I, I have a very precise um, narrative arc in, in in my head, and I hope that we will reach uh, will reach it. Okay, cool. Um, so the uh, this game Urbion, it was a little bit unfortunate the way it started coming out, which it was released as Equilibrion, which is the original name. And yes. then right after it came out, it got pulled because there's some sort of name dispute with a, another game. Exactly. A similar yeah. name. Um, and then the name, then it came out with the name Urbion, which is so different from the old name. I was surprised. 
what is the origin of that name? I know Onirim has to do with dreams. I, you know, I ended up, it was such a unique word. I went online looking and I found Oneric, or it's based on a Greek word for dreams. Yes, exactly. So yes. Wh- what is Ervion? Where did that come from? Is that something you made up or does it have a... This I based on, on, on the, the Latin name for city because it, it all happens in the city of dreams. And, and so um, the, the first idea was, was since the city has to be balanced between good and bad, uh, to, to have it uh, named Equilibrium w- w- would be, you know, the idea. Uh, and then when it was not possible anymore because of this name dispute, um, I, I recentered it on the fact that it was in the city. And so we got Urbion. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I never made that connection. Yeah, I meant to ask you for Oniram. Yes. Um, the, that little incubus guy. It, yes. it mentions in the rule books you're not supposed to use him with the expansions because he's an appendix. Is that because it, it, it breaks a game mechanic or something like that? It breaks a game or do you know why? I don't think it it breaks it breaks the game mechanics. I, I will tell you honestly the the reason why is that um when it was decided to do the second edition of, of Nirim, there had been some talk about this meeple. As I said, it was uh, one of the first ideas of Sophie Gravel uh, when uh, you know for uh, in, in in the process of doing a beautiful edition for Nirim to have a little meeple in it. But it was not um confirmed um until a bit later. So I already had worked on the balance of um, all the expansions also together, because as I say in the, or as it said, I think in the rules that all the expansions are independent, but you can combine them together. And, um, and you may have also seen on, on the internet that there are two additional expansions that will be, um, giving out as, as goodies, um, also in essence this week, the, the mirrors and then the sphinx, the, the diver and, and the confusion. Um, so it makes nine um, expansions. So we can all combine them to have some kind of epic Onirim game. And um, the little Incubus actually was designed a couple of months later when it was um, confirmed that we would have a Meeple in it. I see. So I playtested it with the expansions altogether, but not as extensively as I did when I put all the expansion together to see if nothing was broken in it. And so, of course, I informed the publishers. I said, listen, guys, um, I have this this rule for the little meeple, uh, and I think it, it works. The games I played worked. I, there's nothing broken about it, but I cannot um, guarantee, I cannot tell you that I did as many playtests. I mean, because it's hun- I, I'm talking hundreds of games, of course, when I combined mm-hmm. you know, everything together. And so, since it was less um, for, for the Incubus in combination with the others, the Incubus alone was easy to, you know, it was easy to, to reach a high enough number of playtests for the Incubus. But in combination with all the, the expansion, it wasn't. And so I, I told him, well, if you want playtested, I think it works perfectly with all the the, the, the the expansion. And so they had this idea to put this little caveat, like, okay, you know, maybe it, it, it should be better not to, to mix it. Um, I think... It, it's really worth I've trying. I personally hate it when a game designer and publishers give something untested to 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 us, Mimina, as audience, because I'm also um, uh, obviously an avid gamer. I mean, I play uh, I play a lot. I play a lot of solitaire games also, and so I don't like um, to feel that I am a play tester in in a way when I buy a game. And so maybe that's why also they put it like, okay, th- this is how we are hundred percent sure it works, and um, but of course. As a um, note, uh, unofficial note, I would say I really think it isn't broken and it's worth trying, especially if you play Epic Onirim with the nine expansions because then it can become a very harsh game and the little Incubus can be a nice help. And I really don't think it will break the, the game. And then if you realize as a player that it's too easy, then just leave it aside. I mean, that's why also I propose this um, def- different levels of, of difficulty for a lot of the expansions. For instance, the um, the, the the book uh, where you can you know um, have the, the spells uh, costing a little bit more. Yeah. So you can adjust the difficulty, and and I you, you you can use also the little incubus to adjust if you want a game that is a little bit easier. You should use it. Otherwise, you should leave it on you know on the side. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. Well, so, so there's two more expansions. That means there's now, excluding the little incubus, there's 512 different ways to play the game. I can't imagine you actually playtested all those combinations. Well, actually, I did. I mean, it's always it always starts like this. You always take the basic game and the expansion. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And if it works, so this is really the basic. You have to do it uh, to to see. And then if it works, you just add um, uh, expansion after expansion, and uh, and and so you see if there is anything broken uh, in, in it. Everything that's totally unbalanced, and um, yeah, that's how you that's how you go you go for. That's I mean the advantage of having design the solitaire games uh, play testing can be extremely intensive and extremely efficient I mean, if you have five uh, player uh, f- gamers working you know on, on play testing it makes uh, you make five five games of it uh, where you, you would have one game of a multiplayer five player game so that's right that's a good point okay so, and those two those two new expansions are, are, for people not able to go to SNR, are you going to be able to get it later on do you know I I'm pretty certain. Yes, okay. I, I don't see. I don't see Z-Man and and Philo holding them just to you know issue them and at, at one convention it would be really unfair. So okay, so they'll probably show up on the BGG store at some point. Maybe yes. Okay, I hope so. <laughs> um, so can you tell me more about the other two games? I know really next to nothing about those Castellon and Sylveon. Uh, Let's start with Castellon. What's that game about? That game about the theme of the game is that you have to build an ever-changing, like a, some sort of architect and general of a fortress, and um, you have to build this fortress to um, survive an attack of a very mean uh, entity uh, that's called the, the the menace and that wants to to destroy the world of dreams. So that's the theme of it, and. Um, uh, the point is that your castle actually can change uh, is, is some sort of a shape-shifting castle, and um, which is good because the the monster is also uh, a shape-shifting monster, and so this is for the theme. Um, for the mechanic, I would say it's some kind of a puzzle. Uh, j- uh, how do you say it in English? Jigsaw jigsaw puzzle. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, where all the pieces can fit um, next to one another. And uh, there is no predetermined form. It's not that you have to do this image before. It depends on the monster you will have to face. And some kind of defense will be more efficient against some avatars of this monster. So it's a tile-laying game. You lay little tiles that represent a part of the castle. And you have four kind of defenders uh, for for this castle. And if you combine them, them in a good way... Um, for instance, if you put four defenders of the same type, one above the other, you are building a tower in your castle. And it, this, for instance, allows you to, to see uh, what kind of monster is coming uh, and to defend against the flying monsters. So I'm, I'm of course, doing a very a short and uh, a little bit brutal, uh, um, uh, how do you say, co- co- condensation of, of the rules. But this is mm-hmm. basically how, how it works. And you can also discard the tiles instead of playing them in your castle, and then you trigger an effect depending on the um, dream, on the defender you discarded. So, and all this to help you build the most efficient castle against this or this type of monster. Okay, that sounds very neat. Um, when's this game expected to be released? It's expected to be released next year, I think, in about six months, if or maybe a little more. I would say maybe Q uh, second uh, quarter of of um, 2015, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And um, are you gonna do like you've done with the other games, where where it includes expansions in the box? There will be. There will be. Um, we are now seeing exactly how many expansions we can. There will certainly be certainly be one expansion this is for sure and we are actually it will be a little bit different than the other games because it will have um three levels of um of complexity in the rules so you have a very basic game where you actually just get the um, uh, the tile laying rules of it and obviously will have to face uh, a challenge that is it's much easier and then you will have a second level where you add the powers of the tiles you discard and then a third level with uh, also the power of the different combinations that you can play in your castle. So it makes a game that is um, with um, deeper rules, mm-hmm. the more layers you add, and with more difficult challenges also, of course, according to the, the more options you have. I see, okay. Okay, that, that one sounds really cool. Um, how about Sylveon? What's that uh, about? 
Sylvian from his mechanic is actually um, a mix of, I would say, um, drafting and deck building and tower defense. So the theme is that um, now it's all in the forest of the universe and you are the, guard, the guardian of this forest. And there is another type of entity um, which is uh, some kind of fire entity who wants to burn the forest down. And it will send waves of attackers coming from four different rows and four different um, deck of cards, actually. So you have one big deck of cards of bad guys that you divide in four little decks, and you reveal one card from each deck each round. And most of them are monsters, other are um, nasty tricks that uh, this army will play on you. And those monsters will move towards your forest. And you have a deck of cards um, that represent the defenders of the forest that you have to play in the best way possible in those different roles to stop the attack of those uh, uh, fire elementals. Okay. Okay. And I, when is this expected to be released? This is expected to be released actually at the beginning of um, 2015. So it will come before Castellian. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah it, it does, you know, as you described, it, it does feel to me like there's a, some sort of narrative in there. It, going across the games, I, it, honestly, it's a little hard for me to see it, but I could I have a sense of it in there, mm-hmm. which is really neat. Um, so, can you tell me more about the Oniverse? Um, for example, it, it's all about the Dreamlands, and every time I hear that, it reminds me of H.P. Lovecraft's Dreamlands. Are you familiar with his works? I really like Lovecraft, okay. uh, but I'm not um, actually the Dreamlands. I know I encountered them. Um, also in games, I mean, in Arkham Horror, there is this 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 dreamland where you can go as a. Uh, I I but I don't remember reading um, a short story about it, so I don't know in which um, in in which story of Lovecraft we have um, mentioned this one. I didn't there, read. I think uh, there's. Um, oh shoot! Hang on a second. The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, I think, is one that's in the Dreamlands. And okay, I know there's a couple others. There's a couple longer stories. There's one that's a couple hundred pages, and it's probably one of his longer stories. Okay. Um, okay. I don't generally think they're as good as as the other stories with Cthulhu and that sort of stuff. It's separate from that. And in it, basically, there's a character who travels in the lands of dreams, and he goes around to different cities and and explores and comes across different gods sometimes. Mm, okay. And so, I mean, it reminds me, it's very different because, uh, I mean, it, it, Lovecraft is just very different, I guess. Uh-huh. But I was wondering if there's any, any inspiration, any correlation there. Because, you know, hearing about a game about dreams, I want to compare it to something else, and that's the only thing that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and so I've read that you're an, a performer, you're an opera singer. Yes. And, and actually, I saw that you've also done a couple uh, television movies. Um, has any of this performance influenced influenced uh, the theme of the games um not directly but um certainly because opera is is, is a mixture uh, basically of of, of everything uh, i mean you you have music you have theater you have poetry uh and and um and i i like this 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 mixture i mean it's not really a pure, a pure form of art it's not like you know listening to symphonic music which i also love a lot but you know i, I like this this fact that you have different layers and um, this is also something that fascinates me in, in, in board games, um, especially today, is that y- y- you have this mixture between um, team and mechanism and, and you have s- somehow it's, it's really funny to see that you have the same debates um, uh, b- b- in, in the gamer wor- gamers world uh, between theme and mechanic that you had and that you still have in the opera world between music and poetry. You know, some some people say, yeah, in the opera, the most important stuff is music. Poetry is just a, a byproduct. You know, it's just to have uh, some sort of story or pretense of a story to hold it together, but it's not important. And you have people saying the same with game, like, oh, theme is absolutely not important. You know, it's it's good to have it. Yeah, it's, it, it makes you sell the boxes more, but it's it's not essential. What's essential is the mechanism. And you have people say, no, the mecha- if, if the, um, the theme is not good, I will not play the game. If the, the art is ugly, I will not 
play the game even if it's the best game of the world um and and uh, and yapa you have the same you know people saying no it's not true that music is music is extremely important but if you have a bad story if you have a bad poetry uh, then it it will not be as as effective so um so i i wouldn't say there is a direct a direct influence um you know like i'm taking something from an opera and putting it into one of my games uh, but it's more maybe this whole uh idea of having, of having a uh, I don't want to sound pretentious, but a work of art. I'm not saying uh, what I'm doing is a work of, but you, you know what I mean. You know, some some kind of a mm-hmm, cultural, yes. let's say a cultural product. It's not as arrogant, you know, as saying it's a work of art, but some kind of cultural product that is a mixture of of different stuff. Um, yeah, so so maybe yeah. that's that's the the relation. Uh, I I do see what you mean. You know, my, I guess my experience with operas, I haven't I haven't watched or listened to many operas. And they always seem to be in a different language than the ones I understand. <laughs> so, so when I'm watching them, I a lot of I don't really understand a lot of what's going on. It sort of feels like a dream. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess that that made me made me think about that. No, I'm sure that that uh, <laughs> being being that you're an opera performer, that probably it's a horrible statement to say. Oh. No, 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 really not. No, really not, because this 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 kind of um not realistic uh, quality. Is of course uh, essential to opera. I mean, there's nothing more absurd. Uh, you know, there's somebody who's hurt. You know, or and he starts singing. You, you would say, "What the?" You know, <laughs> and and, uh, and no, no. And this dreamlike quality is is um, probably what we what we want from 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 the opera. Also, uh, I mean, it's at the same time extremely. Um, how can I say? I wouldn't say realistic, but in a way it's really concrete, you know, especially if you go to a live performance, you have somebody who's, you know, sweating uh, like a couple of feet away from you, you know, and, and, and singing, producing this sound. So it's really, I would say almost animal, you know, it's really something that ha- mm-hmm. that's happening right here, right now. And at the same time, it's not realistic at all. It, it, it is totally, I wouldn't say abstract, but yeah, um, totally unreal. And 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 maybe we can we could say also that somehow playing playing games it, it, it's similar you know we are having you know we have people fighting and having very strong emotions around uh, pieces of, of 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 cardboard and 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 you know and and wood and 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 still we are totally riveted you know by by it and we feel betrayed or exhilarated or happy you know just because we managed to move this this piece of wood. You know, on, on on a piece of cardboard, and still the the, the you know this can may, maybe there is no. I really understand what you're saying actually about this okay. stuff. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, have you ever considered making any multiplayer games? I actually, I had some project. I still have some some project. Um, I'm now so taken by by this 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 universe series that I I, I haven't pushed. Um, the other project uh, that far, um, so I'm not excluding it. Um, but that's true that, in a way, my my, my um, desire of doing this this universe series started in a very um, egoistical way. I wanted to have games, uh, modern games, to play by myself when I was, you know, uh, on travel because for for my job, obviously, I, I travel a lot and I don't always have colleagues, single colleagues who want you know to to are interested in board games so i wanted to have solitaire games and um yeah and so that's why i started the the, the series actually um maybe i feel a little bit less uh frustrated about multiplayer games because there are so many good ones that i don't feel maybe the urge to to design or to push uh uh one as urgently as i had for for solitaire games maybe it will come one day i i, I don't know okay it, it, you know that's true what you're saying that there I think when you first started designing, I guess I don't know when you started designing, but the Oniran came out in 2010. Yeah. And at that point, there were many solitaire games that you actually could travel with. There, were, there wasn't very much choices at all, huh? No, 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 really, very, very little, very little. Um, and so it sounds like the Oniverse is a. It's always going to be solitaire games, or at least at this point. Yeah, I mean, solitaire, or what I really, really enjoyed also very soon in the process, and it started actually with Onirium, is, is designing the two-player um, aspect of, of it, the cooperative um, two-player. Maybe because in a way I, I, I um, 
came back to where this uh, passion for solitaire board gaming started. And I, I mean, um, I, I think it really started with Reiner Knizia's Lord of the Ring, Lord of the Rings, because this was mm -hmm. the first um, cooperative game I played. And uh, it was uh, I found it was absolutely amazing. I mean, we played uh, evenings and evenings with my friends trying to beat this game, and we didn't manage at, at first. And um, then actually to crack it, because I really was angry to lose uh, so consistently, <laughs> I, I, I tried to play alone uh, at my home, you know, taking two hobbits and seeing what, what could work as a, as a strategy. And so this was the beginning of, of my solitaire um, gaming. And um, in a way, designing... Uh, Two-player cooperative uh, rules for for my solitaire design is is maybe a way to go back to this uh, pleasure I had working with my with my friends, you know, to beat to beat this game. Yeah, okay. I, I tried playing Onirim once uh, two-player, and it didn't work out too well that time. I think I think I did a real bad job explaining the rules, and I never never went back to try it again. But I really should. Okay. I need, I need to convince my wife to to play the game. So I guess I, I don't have any any other questions for you. Okay. Uh, all right then. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed playing Onirum, and I can't wait to see it when it comes out and how uh, I'm sure it will do. Thanks. And congratulations on on getting this second edition published. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview. I actually I haven't recorded it yet. That will probably be happening. That should be happening tomorrow. So unfortunately, I can't comment on it, but I am really looking forward to it. So I am talking about Onirium 2nd Edition today. This is a reprint of the game that came out in 2010 with some new edit expansions. It is the same basic game. The, the main difference really is that it now includes 7 expansions instead of 4, as well as an appendix, which is a, basically a mini uh, expansion. So this game was designed by Shady Torbay. This edition is released in 2014. It should be available really soon if it isn't already. The art is again by Elise Plessis, and the graphic design by Philippe Guérin, if I pronounced that correctly. My guess is I didn't. I hope I did. So Onirum is a game in which you're traveling through the dreamlands. You are trapped in dreams, and you're trying to escape. You're basically, I guess, trapped in a labyrinth, and you're going from room to room, looking for the doors of the way out. And your goal in this game is basically to find the eight doors and escape. Now, this is the first game in a series uh, called The Oniverse. I don't know that it was intended as a series when the first game was made. I think the name came up because of Onirum. However, there are currently two games and more. two more should be released. So this is a bit tricky of a review because I've already talked about it before, so I kind of don't want to repeat everything I've said in the past and just say, you know, go listen to the first episode. Then again, it was the first episode, and I probably don't want to put you through that. So let me tell you little bit about the game and if you really want to know more probably go back and hear that first one and get my opinions of it three years ago so in, this is basically a card game it's a hand management game you, you basically have a deck of cards and I think it's about a hundred or so cards I'm not sure the exact number and there's three types of cards in the deck there are locations there are doors and there are dreams the locations come in three types they, each card has a symbol that's either a sun, a moon, or a key. And they come in four different colors. Green, red, yellow, and blue. And there's an even number of each type of symbol for each color. There are eight doors. They're matching in colors. Green, red, yellow, and blue. And then there are the dreams. I don't know how many there are those. And these are all bad dreams. They're nightmares. And that's what's in your deck. And basically what you're going to do with the game is you're going to have a hand of cards. And they're always going to be location cards in your hand. And you're going to play one to the table, and then draw a new card. And you're going to keep repeating this process. The rule about playing card is you can never have the same symbol two times in a row. So you can't play a star and a star. you got to play a star and then either a moon or a key. Every time you've played three in a row of the same color, you're then able to pick up the deck, go through it, and find a door of the matching color. Also, when you're drawing a card, if it happens to be a door you may be able to just play it directly from, from the draw onto the uh, onto your played doors. If you have a matching key card, a matching key location, then you're able to discard the key and play that door. Um, so there's a two different ways you could actually play a door. If you don't have the matching key, then you leave that door in the limbo pile, which is basically a discard pile, and draw another card. 
And when you end up at the end of the turn, if there's any cards in the limbo pile, you will shuffle it back into your hand. I'm sorry, into your deck. The third kind of card is the nightmares, the dreams. When you draw a dream, you have to uh, deal with it immediately. You have to resolve it immediately. Nightmares are bad. Um, you have to. There's only three ways to resolve it. One is play a key card, which you discard, and then you could discard the nightmare. Uh, another one is you could uh, discard your whole hand, and then you could discard the nightmare. Or you could draw five cards from the deck, put any uh, nightmares and keys in the limbo pile, and discard the rest out of the game. And I'm sorry, I should clarify. When I'm saying discard cards here, I'm not talking into the limbo pile, but I'm talking about out of the game completely. Any, any of these, anytime you're discarding a key card or to get rid of a nightmare, the, the key and the nightmare both go out of the game completely. They'll never be seen again. Which is a little different from the limbo pile, where as you're drawing cards, you're getting discarded into the limbo pile of their, of their locations or nightmares. Those will go back into the deck at the end of the turn. So there we go. So that was basically how the game works. You're, you're drawing the cards and you're dealing with them. The, uh, the nightmares are a real pain. You don't want them. And it's a, it's a hand manage game, management game. It's very simple and very fun. It plays very fast. And it's, it's a really neat game, honestly. One more thing I didn't mention about the key cards. If you have a key card in your hand, you could choose to discard it out of the game. And then that lets you draw the five top cards from the deck. You then discard one out of the game. One of those five cards. Hopefully there's a nightmare and then you get rid of that. And then put the remaining four back on top of the deck in any order you want. That is actually a large part of the strategy of the game is... The, how you use those key cards and when you decide to look at the top of the deck. At least I think it is. So here you go. That's a basic game of Anirum. It's pretty straightforward, pretty simple, plays really fast. Now, as I said, the box actually brings seven expansions and they range in probably something like from 10 to 20 cards each. So each of these expansions changes the game in a different way. They all generally introduce some sort of new mechanic. Most of the expansions, if not all of them, have have new cards you can put in the deck, maybe a new type of dream, uh, some more door cards, or more location cards. New types of location cards. Uh, some include different things, like the uh, the towers, which actually are, I believe they're considered locations, but they're played separate from your location cards you're playing to find keys. But let me let me get into the expansions a little more. Let me let me tell you about each one in order. So the first is the Book of Steps, Lost and Found. I like this expansion a lot. It has eight goal cards. They basically match the eight uh, doors that you're trying to find. And you shuffle these up and then play them on the table face up at the start of the game. And you now have to find the doors in that order. Which is much harder than before in the normal game. It doesn't matter what order you play the doors. Besides that, there's also a spell card. You could now use the cards that you've discarded out of the game to cast different spells. Uh, there's three different spells, and one costs five discard cards, the other one costs seven, and the other one costs ten. The most expensive one lets you discard, when you draw a dream, lets you just discard it straight away without having to resolve it any other way. And the other ones let you, another one lets you change the order of the do, the go cards, and another one lets you look draw cards from the bottom of the deck and put one on the top. So all these give you a little more to work with. The, the go cards make the game tougher. The spell cards give you more options. And it's a neat expansion. I really enjoy this one. The next expansion is called the Glyphs. Now this is one of the new expansions. The first new one. The last one was actually the original expansion. This one has a new location type. It has a different symbol. It has a spiral in the corner. And there's four more door cards. If you play with this expansion, you're now trying to find 12 doors instead of four. And if you're using it with the uh, with the books... What was the first... If you're using it with a Book of Steps, Lost and Found, that first expansion, there's also four more gold cards. So I like this one a lot too. I enjoy the, the fact that there's a lot more. It's a bit weird having to find 12 doors, and I'm finding that very challenging, but I really like the uh, the new location cards. The next expansion is called the Dream Catchers. Again, this is a new expansion. This one has four new, type, four new dream cards, a new type of dream. Um, these are Lost Dreams. And then there's four Dream Catcher cards, and two fail-safe book cards. This one, I think, is one of the most uh, strange expansions. When you start the game, you shuffle the dreams into the deck, and you set the dream catchers to the side, and then the two fail-saves. As you're playing the game, whenever you draw cards and put them in your limbo pile, 
basically the dreams or keys, at the end of the turn, instead of shuffling them back into your deck, you put them next to one of the dream catchers. You, you pick a dream catcher that doesn't have cards, and you put it with that one. Now, there's only four dream catchers, so they're going to start filling up. If the fourth one fills up and you need to put a card next to a dream catcher again, that's bad news. You're going to put all the cards back from the dream catchers into the deck and discard one of the dream catchers. There's only three left now. So the whole point of this expansion is you need to catch those four new dreams, and at the end of the game, they each need to be by the dream catchers. Now, if you're lucky, you might have them all in the same dream catcher, and the, the others are extra, but more likely than that, they're, they're split out amongst the dream catchers. The two fail-safe book cards, what those do is basically let you, you use one up, and it lets you take the cards from the uh, dream catcher and put it back into the deck. So giving you, buying you a little more time. And there's more rules about how to take cards from the dream catcher and stuff like that. This is a neat expansion. It's really, I think it's a little bit weird, but it's cool. And it's tough. I haven't really figured this one out yet. The next expansion is called The Towers. This is one of the original expansions again. In this one, you have a bunch of tower cards. There's three in each color. And the goal of this one is at the end of the game, not only do you have to find all the doors, but you have to have played the four tower cards. Well, I'm sorry, you have, you have to have a row of four tower cards played to the table, which is separate of your location cards. And you have to have at least one of each of the towers in there. There's some restrictions on how you place these in that they have symbols on them and the symbols can't match, just like with normal locations. But if you, you also have the option of using a tower to look at the top of your deck. Um, so there's two ways to use a tower. You just have to keep in mind that you have to have all four colors on the table at the end of the game. So you don't want to use them all to look through your deck. I've lost the game because of that more than once. So um, I like this expansion best when used with others. Uh, when I use it by itself, it doesn't work so well for me personally. The next expansion is the Happy Dreams and Dark Premonitions. This is the third of the original expansions. This one adds again a new type of dream and then eight Dark Premonition cards. The dreams are going to get shuffled in. Whenever you find a happy dream, they're great. They're really useful. Um, unfortunately, you have these Dark Premonitions that are terrible. You're going to draw four of them at the beginning of the game, and they're going to be set on the side, and they're going to be triggered uh, by doors. Uh, for example, one of them will be triggered once you have found the second red door. Uh, you take all the red location cards out of the deck and discard them. It's not terrible, but it, it can be bad because you have a lot more nightmares per locations, which is always bad. Uh, and, and other th things happen. Um, one of them... When that uh, Dark Premonition is triggered, you're going to have to put all the Nightmares that have been taken out of the game back into the game. Uh, another one makes you uh, take a card, one of the doors that you've already played, and put it back into the deck. So now you have to redo that door. So it's, you know, it's pretty, they're very frustrating when they get triggered. Now fortunately, the Happy Dreams can help with that. Whenever you draw a Happy Dream, you could get rid of one of these dark premonitions. It's out of the game and now you don't have to worry about it. Uh, if you don't do that, you have a couple other choices. You could draw the top seven cards from the deck and discard as many of those as you want, put the rest back on top in any order. That's great if you happen to know that there's a bunch of nightmares coming because you just looked at the deck with a key. Um, sometimes you could actually manage to work that in order. The other thing you could do with this is go through your deck, find any card of your choice, and put it on the top of the deck. Basically use it next. I like this one. The The premonitions are frustrating and challenging and a bit stressful, honestly. And the heart, and the happy dreams are great. And the happy dreams go great with that. I, I, this is a neat expansion. Okay, I hope you don't mind me going through all these. It's, you know, it's, it's a lot of them. Number six is called Crossroads and Dead Ends. I like this one a lot. This one adds some new uh, location cards. There are the same basic symbols, but these are basically wilds. It could be any of the four colors. Helps a lot in, in playing the game. Because now, you know, when you're playing the game normally, you're, you're drawing and drawing, hoping for just the right color. It's never there. And when you have a wild, hey, great. It's always the right color. The Now, if you notice, there aren't any expansions that are just helpful. They all have something bad. This one has ten dead-end cards. I like these a lot. The dead-ends, basically, when you draw one into your hand, they're location cards that you can never play from your hand. So they're just going to sit there and start clogging up your hand, and if you have a lot of location cards, I'm sorry, if you have a lot of dead ends, you don't have space for many useful location cards, 
which is going to limit your choices when you're playing. I really like that. Now you can deal with it if you uh, you could always choose to discard your entire hand to get rid of all the location cards, which is usually unfortunate and and painful because you don't always you always want to keep some of the other cards. It's I mean you always feel like you're saving your cards for something. So I like the that feeling of that. On the other hand, the I like how the dead ends work. I feel they don't gum up my hand as much as they should have. Um, I always seem to be able to deal with it better than than I expected. Though I haven't won with this expansion yet, so so maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> and the final expansion is called the Door to the Oniverse. I wonder if that's Oniverse. Um, yeah, it's probably Oniverse. The Door to the Oniverse. This is another interesting expansion. What this adds basically is a bunch of denizens. These are entirely different. I don't think these are... They might be dreams. I don't think they are necessarily. Um, they'll go into your deck. When you draw a denizen, what's going to happen is you could choose to buy that denizen. And you have to discard a card from your hand. And now you have, and then you play that denizen in front of you. And you hold it there until you choose to use them. There's eight different types of denizens. Um, I assume it's two of each because there's 16 total. And they do different things. Um, one lets you play two cards with the same symbol in a row, which is really handy if you have a lot of... And that, that's something that's useful a lot of the time. Um, another one lets you look at the five top cards on the deck and put them back in any order. It's sort of like a key, but without the discard. There is a mirror. It lets you put a nightmare that you just drew into the limbo pile without resolving it. So it gets basically by your little time. And so th there's eight denizens. They do different things. Um, there's also one door to the Oniverse card, which is basically another door you need to find and resolve. So this is a wild card door, so you could resolve it with any color. You don't, you know, like for example, if you're using a key, you could use any color key. And actually, you might not be able to use keys for this if I remember right. So those are the seven different expansions. Again, they're all neat, and they're all very different. And... What's neat is you can mix and match as you like. You could uh, choose to use two, any two expansions to play, or three, or, or however many. You could use all seven if you want. Well, when I've got the first one here, and with the six, with the three expansions, there's basically eight ways to play. Each, it's exponential. Each expansion doubles the number of ways you could play. The with seven expansions, you can now play 128 different ways, 120 combinations of expansions or no expansions at all. So this is gonna this game is gonna last you a long time. It's gonna have a ton of replayability because of that. And what I did with the first one is I started with just a basic deck. I kept playing until I felt comfortable beating that, and then added one of the expansions and played that until I felt good with it. Then tried the next expansion and eventually tried every possible combination until I'd won it and thought I was doing good. Some combinations are definitely easier than others, and some are harder. I haven't been methodical with this edition again because there's so many so many ways to play. 128, honestly, most people don't think play any game 128 times. I did go ahead and try all seven expansions at once. <laughs> it, it, it was a bit crazy. It it was really hard. It felt very epic. Um, I did horribly. I think it'd probably be interesting if you're familiar with the game, but I will say it is extremely hard to shuffle, so you're going to need a lot of patience with that. It almost might be worth getting a card shuffler, though I will say I, I had a card shuffler before and I used it with my first one here. And it's messed up the color on the edges and marked the cards a lot. Uh, probably not really. I mean, it's probably not a big deal if you don't if you don't mind that. But if you start mixing in expansions in and out, you're gonna find that the base cards were more out than the expansions probably. So it'll be obvious which are the expansion cards. So I don't know. You may want to sleeve them. If you do, all the cards unfortunately don't really fit in the box. Um, another thing I like about all the the expansions is that a bunch of them. I don't know about a bunch, but definitely two or three of them have difficulty levels, so you could adjust it and make it a little harder, a little easier, depending on, on how you feel it's working for you. And that, again, just adds to replayability. You could you could tweak it by making one expansion a little bit harder and another one maybe a little bit easier, and just see how that works out, and it, it, it's so variable. It's just amazing. Now, one thing that's really interesting, especially now with the seven expansions, is that a lot of the expansions work off each other very well, and you find you have more ways to deal with things. For example, the um, the Crossroads and Dead Ends expansion, you got those cards that gum up your hand I already mentioned, right? The Dead Ends. Some of the expansions actually give you other ways to get rid of those cards. So there's, there is a nice interplay between the different expansions. And so the other thing is, in this game, 
is the the appendix, which is it's just funny. It's basically a little we're big meeple, an oni meeple, I think, and it looks like the guy from the box, the nightmare, but it's actually the little incubus, which I found confusing because I guess I I think of the nightmares as bad, and the incubus looks like a nightmare, but then if you go play Urbion, the next game in the series. The incubus are good and the succubus are bad, um. But whatever, that that's fine. The this is basically a little mini expansion and has three ways to play. One will make the game easier, another one I think medium, and the last one harder. The first level is called the New Dream Walk. If you're playing at that level, all it does is once during the game you could use that guy to resolve a nightmare without having to play any cards or anything else. It's just an extra way to resolve a nightmare. In the medium difficulty, the Apprentice Dreamwalker, uh, same thing. He'll let you resolve nightmares, but it's a little trickier. You now have to play a card to him from your hand, and then later on you could use that card to resolve the nightmare. And the third one's even tougher. You could play two cards from your deck to under the, the little incubus. Now, there are just location cards, so if you, for example, draw a couple nightmares, they'll just go straight to Limbo, and you keep drawing until you get location cards. I have found that anytime you have something to to blindly draw location cards to discard is a bad thing because it seems every time I choose to do that, that's where my keys go. And keys are so critical in this game. I haven't played with the appendix yet. It, according to the book, it's really not meant to be mixed with the uh, expansions. That's why it's an appendix. I don't really see why not. Yeah, I, d- I don't see why not, but, you know... If you get bored of the 120 different ways to play, I guess you could try adding that in and then see what happens. So there you go. I've I've given you a rundown, a very fast rundown of everything in the game. Uh, I love the first edition. It's just a fantastic game. And now this one gives you so much more. So so it's really hard to find anything to fault about it. The For me, the only drawbacks are, one, it comes in a bigger box. I, I like the size of the first expansion, but there's no way you could fit all this into, into that size box. And I dislike the cards are not a linen finish. The older edition was; these are smooth. They work fine, and it's, they're great. But I was so used to the other ones that I, I really enjoyed the texture on them. If you have the first edition, don't let that be a detriment. Don't don't let that stop you from considering getting this game because it it is such well, such a beautifully produced game. The first thing you notice when you open the box is there inside is what looks like a a nightmare, in and it's basically an inner flap in the box. And you open the two flaps of the Nightmare, and inside is the rule book and the expansion book, which again look beautiful. The It was designed such that the expansion book goes in the rule book, and the front page of the rule book is cut at an angle so you could see the expansion book behind it. It looks really pretty. Uh, when you take that out, you have all the cards below, and the Oni Meeple sitting in the insert, which is, I don't know, it's sort of feltish material, feltish plastic. I don't know what that material is exactly. It's got such a nice texture. It's such a such a well-produced game. Obviously, Z-Man has really spent a lot of effort and, and thought into making this the nicest game they could, which is really exciting because it means they're really interested in, in continuing this series. I can't wait to see the, the next two games. Now, this edition is only $24.99, $25, which is... The first edition was 15 No, it was 10 I think. So it's, it's really cheap, and I think it, it's a great price for you to get. Oh, here we go. Card count. The, the base game is only 76 cards. I had said about 100, so I was off by a bit. Uh, the expansions total up to 93 cards. And they range between something like, I guess, 9 and 20 cards. So you go. I think this is a fantastic game. Definitely worth owning. If you're a fan of the first one, seriously consider getting it. If you've never tried it, I would really pick this up. I couldn't recommend this game highly enough. Uh, it's a fun game, it's a very light game, it'll leave you thinking, and there's just so much variety and so many different ways to play with it that you you can't go wrong. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at oneplayeralbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek list on BoardGameGeek, or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek, for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike license. Thanks for listening. <laughs>